Today in the Garage, we present part one of a two-part series with NXP semiconductors about the importance of silicon enabling software-defined vehicles. In today's part one episode, we'll meet our guest and talk about the foundational products that NXP provides for automotive and SDV. Let's go. Today on The Garage, we look at automotive from a different perspective, the silicon perspective. And our guest today is from NXP Semiconductor. This is Brian Carlson, Head of Global Marketing for Automotive Processing. Brian, welcome to The Garage. Thanks. I've been looking forward to this. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm honored to participate. Thank you. We appreciate it. And you know, Brian, we've been working together for quite some yeah. time now. I'd love it if you'd start by you know, introducing yourself and your role at NXP and what you're responsible for. Yeah, sure. So um, I am the global marketing director in automotive processing. So the beauty of that is that I get to see all the different aspects of what's going on in automotive, electrification, autonomy, connectivity. And now, you know, most of my time today, literally most of my time is around software defined vehicles because it's all encompassing. And I look forward to talking to you about that. But my just a quick thing on my background, I've been in the electronics industry for 30 plus years. And I've been through avionics and telecom and mobile you know, smartphones and saw that big revolution come and, you know, compute and now really bringing that expertise and, you know, kind of seeing how a whole market can grow very quickly and transform. So that's why I'm really excited where I'm at at NXP to be an automotive and actually be a part of this SDV revolution that's coming now. That's right. I mean, the automotive market right now is such a key growth area. So many uh, companies across the industry are looking at it. It's exciting yeah. to be involved in such a growth area. We always um, like to you know, get to know our guests a little bit. And I always ask our guests to tell us something interesting about you. Yeah, um, I have a lot of diverse interests, uh, very eclectic. Um, one thing I was thinking about you know, coming into this is, you know, COVID actually changed my life a lot. You know, in the past, you know, this industry is so fast moving. And my job through my whole career has always been looking out five years, eight years, where are things going and really looking into the future. But, you know, I was just thinking about that's something interesting about how COVID actually changed how I look at life and how I do things. But, you know, during that time, right, everyone had time to explore and do new things. You couldn't go out and do as much, right? So one thing I actually picked up and started looking at is a, a lot of work from my, um, my uncle who um, put probably three decades into our, our family genealogy and going back to 1100. So I looked to the past to understand my history and understand that and even found out, you know, I have, you know, relatives going way back to Finland, back to 1100. My grandfather was actually in the automotive industry. So I was actually pretty excited about That's that. So I actually have some automotive roots. He was building cars for General Motors. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, I learned a lot about myself too there. And, you know, I got a, a smartwatch and, you know, monitoring what's going on now with all about the body and fitness and all that. Discovered a lot of trails. Being in Austin, I'm fairly new in Austin and really discovered Austin and hiking and got to go out with my daughter with hiking. So, you know, it's interesting because, like I said, I've always been looking to the future, but now it, gave me a chance to look to the past and also to look at the present and actually be there more with family and actually, you know, work more on myself and make myself better at the same time. So that's it's interesting. That's a, that's one way to look at it, I guess. Well, it's so, good. I think yeah. COVID forced a lot of people to really think differently about yeah. the, what, what they do every day. And so it's, it's, that's exciting to hear. I always try to share back an anecdote on my side yeah, as well. Correct. And my wife and I are both doing a lot of work on, on genealogy. She's back something like oh. 15 generations. I think I'm, I'm back about five or so. And yeah. 
And so we're both spending time on that, both different parts of uh, different places you know, around the world that we've come from. So very exciting. Yeah. And one, one thing that was interesting of all of that, we happened to go to uh, Park, uh, Park Cities and went into Salt Lake City and to the LDS Library and the family tree stuff that they do there. And I found direct connection 12 generations back to Sir Isaac Newton. Well, there you so, go. So, I mean, there's some exciting things about when you start to look to your past, it's really interesting to see how you learn things. Even your, my parents didn't even know about their parents. You know, back in the day, there's things, you know. It, so, it's a really interesting story. It's almost looking at your, a, a whole movie about yourself in a way, right? So. But it's an interesting area. I, yeah. it, it is interesting. And I, I admit, we're, we're, we like to binge watch all of those kind of genealogy shows. So I, I agree okay. with that. But I'm not going to call you Sir Brian, though. Okay. <laughs> I have to earn but, that one. <laughs> but so now moving into the to automotive for a minute, I think one of the sure. other things we always try to start with is uh, I'd like to get the guest perspective on why do you think SDV is important to yeah. the industry and what's the potential? Why is it such a key focus? Yeah, I think it's a key turning point. I mean, look at every industry, how digital has transformed those industries. And for the good and for the bad, for some, right? there's going to be winners and losers in this big transition, but it's something the industry has to go through. There's going to be some pain, right? Because this is very new to a lot of people within the automotive industry, which has historically been very evolutionary, very incremental steps. This is, I like to say it's like doing brain surgery and heart surgery at the same time. It's even more than that, right? It's massive. Um, and it, it disrupts everything from the development of the vehicle, the deployment, the business models, the organizations of OEMs. I mean, it's very broad, but it's required. It's required because if you look at where we're going, what's the expectation of a modern vehicle and what's the world like today, right? Our world is very digital, right? It's upgradable and, and devices really are a part of our life. And vehicles have bits and pieces of that, but they're not really something that can go into the future and provide what is possible. Yeah. So it's bringing the possible to our vehicles, and it takes us into the 21st century. We're, we're a little bit behind the rest of the, uh, the things that we interact with in our life, and this right. will just take us into the future. And if you don't do it, right, the way we're doing it today, it's very incremental with new boxes and, you know, some of these high-end vehicles, 175 boxes, and that's not sustainable, right? right? And so it's just not, it's not a path to the future. Yeah. So it's going to give benefits to everyone, and that's why I'm excited about it, and there's going to be pain, right? No pain, no gain, what, you know, this type of thing. But once we get through that initial, you know, where we're going over the next few years, it sets us up the industry very well for the future and gives tremendous opportunity, not only for the OEMs, I believe, but all of us. It's, it's interesting. And, you know, you, you looked at that kind of a glass is half full and glasses have empty there. And I think that's exactly right, because there's no doubt there's some technical challenges. Yeah. There's some key evolution. There's organizational mm -hmm. changes that are happening in OEMs. But on the other hand, there's a huge opportunity as well. There's yes. an opportunity for the consumers who, for, who are going to have these higher expectations mm -hmm. of vehicles being better. But there's also opportunities for better business models, better engagement with consumers and so on. We were on a panel, uh, I was on a panel last week at uh, Autotech Detroit, and we were talking about, um, one of the other panelists mentioned something which I thought was a really interesting perspective, which is if you think about a car, today's car, you know, yeah. the pre-software-defined vehicles car, mm -hmm. it's the best it's ever going to be the moment it's sold. Yeah, exactly. And then it depreciates. Yeah. Yeah. In the future, a software-defined vehicle will be sort of the worst it's ever going to be because it's only going to get better over yeah. time. That's a compelling way and, to think about I've it. I've been talking about that exact example, right? That's one thing that really has resonated. I've actually been talking about that for probably two years since the beginning. We really got heavily into this. 
And it's true, right? The foundation of this enables these vehicles to improve, not only incrementally, like uh, maybe I'll get an update every once in a while, but literally the OEMs can actually monitor, uh, you know, based on the vehicle data, right? Data is going to be the lifeblood of SDVs, yeah. and that's going to enable so many opportunities, and it's continual. It's with the cloud. I know you had a great session with Stefano on the cloud, but you know we're, we're, we're working with all these different aspects that has to bring all those different technologies yeah. and worlds together. It's driven by data, and it's continually improving the car. It's not just giving the latest app, right? That's kind of how people think, and it's, you know, it's not truly a smartphone on wheels. I mean, there's aspects of that, but I don't like to hear that reference a lot of times yeah. because it's much more than right. that because of that continual updates driven by real vehicle data right. and new opportunities. That, to tell you the truth, I think there's some interesting things that are going to be coming that we can't even imagine. Right? Yeah. We're basically putting in the foundation to build a house, basically, or build the future. And that'll bring a lot of these new opportunities yeah. and vehicle data is going to drive a lot of those. those new Absolutely. Things. And we're, I hope we'll talk about all those things. Data yeah, is something very important to us at Sonatas. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. But you know what? On that point, you mentioned about capabilities. One of the things that we also see is we have to, we as an industry, we have to design a vehicle to be able to put in capabilities that we don't even know about yes, yet. Yes, exactly. And the example, maybe it's a silly example, but I was mentioning the other day, an example is streaming. Mm -hmm. So today you have to try very hard to find a vehicle that doesn't have the ability to connect, you know, streaming services to your vehicle. Right. Uh, my car has it. A lot of other cars have it. But three years, five years ago, mm -hmm. that wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. No vehicles have that. Yeah. So imagine you design a car, and then you know, year two years later, that comes out. All of a sudden, your car is not competitive in the market because everyone expects streaming to be built in. Yeah. So that's just a silly example, and there's going to be much more than that. But mm -hmm. the ability to, to put in services, and, and you know, we're going to talk later about networking and, right. and, yeah. and those kind of infrastructure. Some of those capabilities, for example, using vehicle cameras or using sure. vehicle services, uh, or something where we may need to reconfigure the vehicle in ways that we didn't consider when it was shipped. That's exactly And you, as a result, you would be prohibited from delivering these value-added services because the vehicle was statically configured. So we have to anticipate those kind of things. I'm sure we're going to talk about that today. Yeah, and that's that's really, really important. This is something to really harp on uh, that it's not the old days where I have a camera or a sensor or something that's a very dedicated, right? It's tied to one place and that's it. It goes nowhere else. We always talk about unlocking the value of data. Well, that's sensor data, that's ECU data, all the boxes. There's so much in there. But if you think about how do I bring all of that together and how do I actually get access yeah. to it? If I have access to everything that's going on in the car, you can start to create new scenarios like security cameras is a simple one, right? Yeah. I have security cameras. I'm leveraging these cameras and sensors. There's some really interesting things you can do with sensors. I mean, we're doing things like child presence detect. We can tell you, right. you know, your respiration rate and think about what you can do with that with first responders. It's amazing. So these new architectures, that is really fundamental. It's, yeah. it's unlocking or breaking the chains of where that data goes today in current vehicles and opens it totally up to new opportunities, new applications, new services, which you know, OEMs love because they want to monetize more and more. Right. And you know, unlocking my doors remotely is not going to cut it, right? Yeah. It's going to be, how do I do these really yeah, interesting the things? Next generation. That provide value, right? right? That can actually provide value and benefits to my life right. that they're willing to pay for. And at the end of the day, that's a whole big issue is this whole, you know, how do you make money on the investment, but maybe we'll talk about that too. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think there's a perception that this is just a tax 
on the OEM. Yeah. But I think that really misses the point that if we really have this configurable vehicle, we can offer services, that, as you said, that the consumer's eager to pay for. Yes. And we, we were having a conversation yeah. last week about this where you know, said the, the issue is not that you don't want to pay for things. The issue is that you don't want to pay for things that aren't interesting you to you. Value. You want value. You want value. And what's interesting yeah. to you and interesting to me might be, might be different. Right. You want to give people choices. Yeah. So that's all. I hope we touched on all of those things there's today. There's so much. I mean, there's so many angles to this, right? There, and I always like to start about the benefits. How is this going to change the world? How is this going to provide benefits to all the different vested parties right. in this, right? And then dive kind of down in because it's amazing. This is, I was talking to the media. I had a press conference this week, talked to 20 media, really exciting area that everyone's interested in this. And there's so many angles. And I basically said, this is a gold mine of areas of information, like what we're doing here, right? There's so many angles to talk about because it is disruptive. It is new. It's bringing new opportunities in so many levels. Right. So that's why I'm excited about it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Now you oversee at NXP a really important product line in the S32 product line. Mm -hmm. And I was hoping you could give us a little bit of an overview of that product line and the application areas it serves because it's, it's such a key uh, player in the market. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, S32 is something we introduced actually in 17, 2017. The concept that we were going to bring this to market ends up timing was ideal because we've now built out this whole line of compute platforms and with compatibility, a common chassis underneath uh, all of these devices. And that is required because, you know, software-defined vehicle is not just about one chip that's ruling the whole car. Right. It's very interesting. It requires diverse compute and very diverse requirements depending on what you're doing within a software-defined vehicle. Because what we're seeing is these architectures are moving to some aspect of central compute high-performance real-time compute, which is different than right. applications and things like this. It's actually controlling the car and making the car do what it needs to do, what defines a vehicle, right? It has to drive, it has to steer, it has to stop, it has to have you know, control, right? Uh, there's a lot of aspects there. And all the data that has to be managed uh, within, the, within a software-defined vehicle. So you have that kind of central compute aspect of it. So you need a certain type of processing that does that. And we do that today with our S32G family. We just introduced the latest, the S32G3. It just went into um, the first cars in the world, actually in China, they're moving very fast in China, already in production vehicles in China doing that central vehicle compute function, which is the foundation really of, of these SDVs. Now, in between that is the zones, right? Zones are part of the vehicle that are managing what's going on in that part of the vehicle, right? Today, these vehicle architectures are so scattered. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about dozens, hundreds, boxes everywhere across the vehicle. Dedicated single function boxes. Yeah. And it's not sustainable because, you know, I would call that hardware defined vehicles, right? right? Because every function is defined by a box. Yeah. This box does this job. Yeah. And that's hardware. Because people often ask, well, what is software defined? That's a Almost a very simple what is it. This box, its only job for its whole life is to manage the yeah. air conditioning or manage the windshield wipers or whatever like that. Yeah. It's harder to find. And a lot of times they're locked in because they are not upgradable. Right. And they're not built for security, by the way. A lot of those boxes did not incorporate things like public infrastructure of how you would do right. software updates. So they're very limited. But so what happens is all these boxes are being converged. What today is a physical ECU or box are now becoming virtual ECUs. So think of that concept, virtual. So that's where we come into play with our S32Z and S32E for zonal and electrification types of consolidation. So I have a chip, the S32E, that uh, we have a customer that loves that because he call, they call it the uh, EV on a chip. Mm -hmm. So think about that consolidation. So what was six different boxes 
doing battery management, onboard charging, power conversion, energy management, motor control. All of those can now be converged into a single box, but you need special hardware to do that. Isolation, freedom of interference. It's a totally different world. So this is a purpose-built device for SDV to right. consolidate in these zones. So now you have, at the different zones of the vehicle, you're doing multiple things. And it can be cross-domain. So right. you can do body, propulsion across the vehicle. So we have that. And there's also end nodes, uh, which are, there's still, there's lots of legacy and there's still needs for discrete microcontrollers. So we have our S32K line uh, to do that. So S32K3 is really popular. And as those grow over time, they do more zonal types of applications too. And in fact, the first thing we're seeing are body zones where you start to just say the body functions can be put into zones. Because right. think about today, you have boxes that just do window lift or a box that does lighting over here and a box that you know does your sunroof and all this boxes everywhere right right and so if you converge those first with body right where it's one thing one cable going to it not 100 cables going all right. over the place it simplifies it's lower cost and weight and weight's critical right so yeah. a lot of interesting things so the keep a message i guess from my perspective from us we're looking holistically at the vehicle which is why i'm excited it's not just one thing we're looking at all the really unique requirements from that central compute to the zone to the end node how they work together how you address very specific requirements that eat part each part of the vehicle and offer a diverse compute platform the s32 platform yeah. to be able to address all of those needs and making them all work together is, is exciting too. So. That's a great overview. And thanks for sharing that. I think one of the reasons that I think that platform is so compelling is, as you talked about, it's the full range yes. from the MCU line up to the uh, zonal and all the way up into, you know, high performance G line. So I, I'd love to talk about, you know, kind of under the covers, yeah. peel the covers back a little bit and say, these are all ARM-based processors. Am I ARM-based? That, that is correct. And we made you, that shift actually. In the past, we were doing power PCs mm -hmm. and move everything in that 2017, we said, Everything going forward with these main processors are going to be very diverse ARM cores that have the right core for the chore is what I like to say. Yeah. And we had Robert Day from Armon recently yeah, talking about this. And I'd, I'd love it if you kind of talk us through the different processor families, because yeah. it, what's interesting about ARM, and you know, people know I was ARM for a long time, oh, so I, yeah. I'm a little passionate about this. <laughs> I um, The different processor families mm -hmm. from ARM kind of serve different needs. Yes. And, and I'd love you to talk about which of those you're using for which of these applications. Yeah, the beauty of the ARM, A, R, and M. And I was actually involved with a lot of the stuff back in the day when this the Cortex was being developed, I was like an input into that process. So it's exciting to see how this has actually played out. Yeah. And it maps directly into what we're doing with S32. It's ideal because, okay, so if we kind of go down from, from top to bottom, right. right? So if you look at a central computer, there are application types of things where you need to kind of have strategy and overall control and vehicle services. And things like Kubernetes as we're trying to deploy new services to the vehicle, right? Those, those are application cores. So our maps that you know, has great offerings for um, the R Cortex a series. Mm -hmm. So these are the application cores, right? Mm -hmm. They support large memory. They support all the capabilities you need for those applications. Right. The other aspect in that central compute, which is becoming even more and more important, is real-time control. Right. So think of it as a real-time, I don't want to say data center, kind of like you know, yeah. centralized place for lots of real-time processing. Yeah. So we're seeing real-time more and more coming into that central compute. And right. what's really good for that are the R cores, right. the ARM Cortex R cores. So it's a combination of R and it's a combination of M also, depending on what you're doing. So mm -hmm. A, R, and M there. When you look in the zones, it's very similar. So there's some parts of the zone 
that are very real time. Think about things that have to happen at specific times, braking, right. steering, right. You know, motor control, battery. Actu- actuation, time-sensitive actuation. Exactly. I always say it's deterministic. You have to get something done within a certain time window. And if you don't, bad things happen. Right. Right. So that requires very deterministic types of things. You can't do that with an A core, for example. That's where you need to have the R core for that. And then there's others that- Cortex-R. Cortex-R, yeah, ARM Cortex-R. And there's others that are real-time, but they're not hard real-time. Think of it soft. They don't have to happen exactly, um, but they have to happen more within human real-time. Right. right? Things like user Uh, interface. Exactly, body and comfort type functions. And that's where M fits really well. So we use the M core also within the zones. Now, when you go to the endpoints where you're kind of just managing things, uh, we also use the the K series, the the uh, S32K uses M cores for for those. Um, We also use this for motor control. We have um, devices for motor control also. So think of it as a hierarchy, top level, right? A cores, M cores, and now R cores are coming into the equation. So all three actually, because the central compute is a combination of, of things. Um, those zones, which is also a combination of more hard real time and soft real time. So R cores and M cores, and then the very low end or end nodes are typically M, M cores that are just managing some actuators right. and sensors and such. So it's really a hierarchy and it maps to this whole thing back in, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago when we started talking with ARM about Cortex and this whole AR and M approach. It, it's played out well. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know when I was at Arm and we were working together at that time, I, you guys really showed how the whole range can work together as it was intended. So we're, we're really pleased to see that. Right. Yeah. So I, I'd love to then shift over and talk about how do you take these ingredients, these critical mm-hmm. silicon components, these critical aspects, how do we then turn that into a solution? Yeah. Because you know a chip it doesn't solve the problem, a, a piece of metal, you need the whole end-to-end. Ecosystem is so important to you. What are you doing to support the ecosystem? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is something we've really changed how we do things in the last five or six years. I mean, silicon is just sand without software and, and system solutions around it, right? So we look holistically at NXP. Uh, first of all, it starts with, in the chip, the technology we do actually to enable everything else. It's a, it, like I was talking about, how do we enable just the STV to happen? But to, to have these digital chips, you need analog to bring them to life. We always say analog brings digital to life. I like that saying that it's true. We have to have power management. It has to be safe. You need to have in-vehicle networking. Think about all the Ethernet, right. the CAN, uh, all the traffic there. You have to have power, the, the, the power management and all the analog around it for sensing and actuation. Right. So that's the next layer that NXP looks at holistically as a hardware uh, solution. And we offer reference designs that OEMs and tier ones actually take as a starting point a lot of times. True automotive grade reference designs uh, one of them has 35 NXP components on it. Just to give you the scope of what NXP, it's not just about the S32. It's about all the parts around it. Pretty much everything except the memories and maybe some other discretes, right? right? Um, so now we've got the system solution, but then it comes to software. And there's different levels of software. There's the base enablement. There's the infrastructure or middleware. Um, and we've heavily invested in that. Actually, we have more software people working on this with expertise at all these levels than we do hardware chip design now, which is a big shift for NXP. Yeah. Right? Software-defined world requires software expertise, software system architects, software product managers, all of these things. It's a whole new world for us in the software, but it's progressing nicely. So... We have that whole enablement. We've even taken it all the way to a complete stack. So it's not just saying, here's a board support package, or here's real-time drivers, or here's a, you know the basic pieces. We put frameworks and middleware on top. 
for safety, for security, we offer much, much more. And then we have what's called a vehicle integration platform or VIP. We have a gold VIP and a green VIP today, which brings those all together. It combines our software with third-party software partners, as well as um, some open source. And we bring a whole package together so our customers out of the box can start to see the value not only of our silicon, they can actually see real-time performance and memory bandwidth and networking and temperature of the chip. They see this with all these use cases right out of the box. Within 10 minutes, they understand silicon. But then we take it to the development side. So now we have a whole development, whether it's real-time, right, Autosar Classic, or adaptive Autosar for applications and services, hypervisors, the virtualization, all the way to the cloud. So out of the box, we integrate AWS. They've been a great partner. We've worked with them for right. three years now. Right. And then working with Sonatus and others, you know, bringing great value from partnerships on top of the silicon. So what we wanted to do is basically build the whole infrastructure from the chip to the system, to the reference boards, to the reference software, and be able to offer our customers a way to move very quickly so they can really focus on the value applications and services right. and deploy those onto the platform because it requires collaboration between all the players. Sure. Yeah. And, and we've seen that firsthand. I mean, we, we've been working closely with you and we, our team meets with your team, I think every uh, week, I think. Pretty much. Maybe daily uh, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. And we're, you know, we're in production today with S32 platforms, you know, rolling down the, the road today. Mm -hmm. And we've seen also, you know, that you mentioned the, a lot of software engineers, not just hardware engineers. I mean, we're, we're dealing with that. We're meeting some of your incredible folks on a continuous basis to solve these problems. Yes. And, um, we're, we're pleased to be a part of it. We're, we're pleased to be developing on top of uh, a, a range of your platforms and, and working with you in the future. So uh, it's a great collaboration. Thank you for joining us for part one of our two-part series with NXP Semiconductors. In our second part, we'll continue the conversation and look especially into the future of future vehicle architectures and how can we bring them to life. We hope you'll join us in part two of our episode, which we'll publish soon. If you like what you're seeing here on The Garage, please like and subscribe to make sure you don't miss part two of our conversation with Brian Carlson. Thank you for joining us.